On Thursday night, reporters rushed to the White House after they got just a 20-minute heads up that President Biden would be delivering remarks. Which is quite unusual. Usually we have advance notice of what the president is going to be doing. This was clearly a scramble to have him address the nation from the diplomatic room at the White House. Matt Viser is a White House reporter for The Post. He's been covering a special counsel investigation into Biden's handling of classified documents. And this investigation concluded with the release of a report. As you know, the special counsel released this finding today about their look into my handling of classified documents. So this came several hours after the special counsel report that cleared him in some sense of, you know, not he's not going to be prosecuted for his classified documents, but it was a pretty damning document in terms of taking on his memory and his cognitive abilities. My memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory, take a look at what I've done since I've become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? He was angry and defensive and tried to rebut many of the things that the special counsel had in his report. He got quite emotional, in particular, talking about his son, Bo, who died in 2015. One of the allegations in the report was that Biden had trouble remembering the year in which Bo died. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Friday, February 9th. Today, we dig into the special counsel report on Biden's handling of sensitive government records. I talk with Matt about why, even though this report has cleared Biden of prosecution, it's now fueling concerns about the president's age and memory as he faces re-election. Matt, I want to step back and just let's lay the groundwork here and remember why was President Biden being investigated in the first place for his handling of classified documents? Where is the origin of this report that came out? So this dates back more than a year ago when some of Biden's aides had found in a storage closet here in D.C. in an old office, they found a classified document or a folder that was marked classified, and they notified the FBI about this. And there begins a search process to try to identify whether there are other classified documents that are in his possession. And they find documents in his garage at his home in Wilmington, Delaware. And so that then starts a special counsel to investigate. Good afternoon. I'm here today to announce the appointment of Robert Herr as a special counsel pursuant to Department of Justice regulations governing such matters. We should maybe point out that this is happening at a similar time where Trump, there's also an investigation into Trump and there's a special counsel looking into Trump. So Biden, who ran... Overclassified documents. Overclassified documents. So Biden, who ran on this idea of preserving and building up institutions and trust in them, is trying to 
kind of mm. respect the DOJ and their independence, and and they're trying to kind of conduct these investigations somewhat similarly. Yeah, like respect the process. So let's now walk through what were some of the conclusions of the report and what were some of the things that came up. I guess first we can just say what was the main conclusion of this report as far as whether Biden should be prosecuted or not. So they decide that they're not going to prosecute Biden. One reason is that he's president, and so there's a practice from the DOJ not to prosecute a president while in office. But they're also saying that they don't see a winnable case through this. They would have to prove that he willfully took these and he willfully kept them. And so they conclude that they don't have a firm enough case. Now, Biden does end up in possession of these documents, and he appears to have known that he had possession of them because some of the documents that he was taking were related to debates that were happening inside the Obama administration, particularly over Afghanistan and troop Mm. levels. And Biden, for the sake of history, takes some of those documents, most important of which is a letter or a fax that he sent to Obama in 2009. Hmm. And so he he has that document because he wants to have a memoir and he's going to do a book. And so he, he, oh. he has that document in particular. To show that, oh, he was right on this issue. And and so what ended up happening with this document and, and what was what did the report conclude around that. So he he does have that document and and it it does not make it into print. So it doesn't make it into the memoir. It, mm. It's not like he violated and made public this document, but he did have it and it was found in his garage. And so basically the conclusion from from the special counsel was that it would be a difficult case to prosecute in part because it's sort of haphazardly stored, you know, somewhere almost as if it were forgotten. But part of it does get into Biden's own memory and ability to recollect facts. And so the special counsel is is almost saying that a jury would find Biden sympathetic in part because he can't remember certain things about it. Yeah, I think by this point, most people, when they are hearing about this report, the main thing that they're discovering within it or just what it's raising is this question of, President Biden's memory and cognition. And that seems to be like the big thing coming out of this. What actually did this report say and how unusual is it that it's getting into this? The report goes into that a jury would find Biden to be a sympathetic figure and, quote, a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. I Um, mean, wow, that's harsh, it feels like. Yeah. So what are some of the examples within the report that demonstrate that Biden's memory was faulty? So the special counsel talks about on the first day when they did the interview that Biden had trouble recalling when his vice presidential term had ended. So he asks, he says, if it was 2013, when did I stop becoming vice president? Not recalling that he left the vice presidency in January of 2017. The next day, he couldn't remember when his term began, asking if it was in Mm. 2019, am I still vice president? So, and then there's the example of Bo Biden and not being able to recall within several years, the year that he had died, which was in 2015. He couldn't recall some of the details about the debate around Afghanistan, which was an important debate that Biden was wanting to highlight in his book and one Mm. reason why he had some of these documents in the first place. I mean, the picture it paints is quite damning uh, of Biden. Mm -hmm. How appropriate is it for a special counsel to basically make a conclusion around someone's mental cognition? I mean, they're not an expert on this. 
that's a major point that the White House and Biden allies are making right now is that the special counsel is not a doctor. He's in no position to be gauging the mental health of the person he's interviewing and to be coming to these types of conclusions. So I, I think that that is a major pushback is that he is overreaching in his language and in his conclusions about the, the president in an area that has huge political ramifications for Biden and his his presidency and his re-election campaign. After the break, Matt explains why this report for Biden felt like a personal attack. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Matt, you're someone who's been covering Joe Biden for many years. I mean, these questions around his memory and now tied up with his age, have they been persistent? Is this something that's ongoing right now? It feels like this is a a, a point of political weakness for him, I'd say. Biden, throughout much of his career, he's been identified as sort of a gaff-prone politician. Uh, oh, like you know, regardless of age. Regardless of age, even in his younger years and in years where age was not a question surrounding him, he would make, you know, statements that, uh, you know, and, and gaffes. And, and I think in recent years, his gaffes have continued, but now they're not seen through a prism of kind of a mental hiccup that anybody might have regardless of age, but they're seen through the prism of his old age mm. and, and his cognitive abilities. And he is old. I mean, he is, he looks... He's 81. He's 81 years mm -hmm. old. He walks like he's 81 years old. You know, his pace is slowed. You watch speeches of his from five or 10 years ago and his speech patterns are different. You know, he he is slower, I, I think, unquestionably. And the White House has responded to some of that. I mean, they're aware of this. He walks up shorter flights of stairs now to get on Air Force One when he fell off of his bike a, a year ago. Mm -hmm. and, and it had this image of Biden on the ground. And so I think that they are aware of these issues and they try to combat that by having Biden less exposed and being seen a little bit with less frequency as a way to try to not have these instances come up and create political problems for them. Mm -hmm. You know, in some ways, this is really fascinating because the special counsel report is concluding, essentially, Biden shouldn't be prosecuted in part because a jury would find him sympathetic. But then also, if we compare this to the other investigation around former President Donald Trump, 
who is getting prosecuted for alleged mishandling of classified documents. I mean, how are these two cases different? I mean, they are different. And and the biggest difference is sort of how each person reacted once the documents were found to be in their possession. Hmm. Trump tried to keep those documents. He he was reluctant to give them up to allow prosecutors to come in and start an investigation. Uh, from the Biden side, they welcomed that investigation. They allowed that investigation to start. And they themselves came forward with the documents and the information that they had. So there was a different reaction from both of them in terms of allowing this to be looked into. And and quite frankly, the scope. I mean, there are more documents that Trump had. They're more recent and and potentially more sensitive than the documents that Biden had. In many cases, Biden had documents that he thought should be his. I mean, one of them is a memo that he wrote. There were a lot of note cards where he was taking notes himself that, you know, technically are, are, are still classified and should not remain in his possession. And some of, for Biden, it was just sloppy packing of of documents at the end of his vice presidency. Mm -hmm. I did want to circle back to that press conference on Thursday night. First of all, how would you rank that in terms of Biden's anger? He seemed very angry to me. How did you sort of receive how he was responding? And do you have any idea, like, was that his idea to do this? Or is this something that's classic Biden White House strategy to, to get out and do something like this? I think that Biden often has had responses to his age of saying, watch me. And I think that last night he wanted people to watch him and see that he could get emotional about this. Um, The thing that struck me, he gets most emotional when talking about his son. And we're talking about Bo Biden. And and I feel like for him, that is what angered him the most. Mm. He seemed angry that the idea that the special counsel was challenging his memory of his late son. He gets angriest about Trump when he talks about troops and service in the military. And Biden talks about Bo Biden and his service. And he channels his anger in, in ways that reflect his sort of personal affront to his family. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I feel like that's where Biden, that's what got under his skin the most mm. is, is the use of Bo Biden in, in that report. More so than, you know, challenging his memory. It was wow. the fact that it was the memory of his son right. that, that really got to him. Like it was so personal. Yeah. One of the most fascinating moments to me or the moments that stood out to me the most during this press conference was when he was asked about the report calling him an elderly, well-meaning man with memory issues. Yeah, I mean, and, and he responded to that. Something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because, in his description, you are a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president, and I put this country back on its feet. I don't need his recommendation. It's How totally bad out. is your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad, I let you speak. So there's an aspect of where he's conceding. I am, I am well-meaning. I am elderly. I am elderly. <laughs> no debate. <laughs> but I do know what I'm doing, and I am qualified to hold this office and qualified to run for re-election. So that, I think, is the core of how they're, they're going to be responding to this in, in a way that he'll make certain concessions, but on, on his memory and whether he knows what he's doing, he, he's not conceding. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, you know, just how Republicans seized on this report and what will that tell us about the impact this could have on the 2024 race? 
I, I, I think it, it's early yet, but Republicans, yeah, they're they're definitely seizing on on this report and on the the mental aspects of Biden and what it says. You know, this comes at a time where House Republicans have already been kind of launching into all sorts of inquiries into the president, and they're already sort of saying that a president who can't have a recall of the years that he was vice president or when his son died should not be in charge of sensitive aspects of the government. And so I, I think that that's going to, we're going to see more and more of that. The challenge for Republicans is that Donald Trump also struggles with some of these <laughs> these same things. Mm. I, I mean, Donald Trump two weeks ago mixed up Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi. Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, you know, they did you know they destroyed all of the information, all of the evidence, everything, deleted and destroyed all of it, all of it because of, Lots of things like Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people. So once we start talking about, you know, verbal stumbles and stumbles around memory, Trump is not perfect on those scores either. So it it does create kind of a, a long slog of a presidential campaign where you have two elderly men running against each other. Well, Matt, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Matt Viser is a White House correspondent for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced and mixed by Ted Muldoon with help from Arjun Singh. It was edited by Monica Campbell. I hope you have a great weekend. And if you love our show, help other people discover it by leaving a rating on Spotify or a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing your feedback and we really appreciate it. One last note before we go. Today is the last day of our colleague Arjun Singh. If you're a regular listener of the show, you know his work and you've heard him host many times. Arjun, we're so sad to see you leave, but we're so excited to keep following you and the incredible work you will keep doing. Our team also includes Maggie Penman, Rena Flores, Lucy Perkins, Alana Gordon, Ariel Plotnick, Bishop Sand, Rennie Svernofsky, Sabi Robinson, Emma Talkoff, Sean Carter, Peter Bresnan, Allison Michaels, and Renita Jablonski. I'm Elahe Izadi. My co-host is Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post.